Father God, would you please speak through my words and help us to hear your voice speaking to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Would you please be seated. Well, we're looking today at Hebrews chapter 11 that Mary read to us. It's a great, great chapter. If you don't know Hebrews 11, I really recommend that when you go home, at some point you find your Bible and you read it through. It is a fantastic chapter. It's a hymn to all the men and women of faith in the Old Testament, and it's an encouragement to faith. But but not just faith in itself. Yes, the chapter does begin with the general definition of faith. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. We all live by faith. When you came in today, I didn't see you, before you sat down on your chair, inspect your chair to see if it would hold you. By faith, you sat on your chair. If you arrange to meet someone for coffee, by faith you meet with them. Raymond, would you mind coming here? I am going to do something very, very foolish. I am going to put my faith in Raymond. So Raymond, I am going to fall back and I am counting on you because it is my assurance in the things that I cannot see, my hope in what is... I can't see whether he's there or not. I can't see whether he's sort of deciding at the moment whether he's going to walk away or not. So Raymond, here I go. One, two, three. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed. <laughs> Do you know faith in itself is not enough? There's the song, Any Dream Will Do. Actually, it won't. Some dreams are disastrous. And in the same way, there's the assumption that what is important is that you have faith. Any faith will do. But faith can be in good things and bad things, in things that are true or things that are false. There's the story told of a young man who was climbing a skyscraper. I discovered the word for it, the name for it. It's called stegophily. Well, he's almost at the top and he's stuck. But he sees something that looks solid, but he has to let go. He can't reach it with this hand. He has to let go what he's holding on with this hand in order to grasp it. He manages it, but he falls to his death. And in his hands at the bottom, they found him clasping onto what it was that he had grabbed. What he had thought was something solid was in fact a thick spider's web. Make sure you know what it is that you are putting your trust, your faith in. Faith can make a person strap a bomb around their waist, walk into an airport, and blow themselves up. Faith can make a man like Maximilian Kolbe 
go into the gas chamber and sacrifice himself for the sake of somebody else. The question that underlies this passage is not whether we have faith. Of course you have faith. And faith is always going to be in something that is invisible. The question is what or who in whom do you put your faith? And in verses 8 to 12 here, we're introduced to Abraham. The Bible calls him the father of faith. Not because he had this general faith, but because he had a very specific faith. His trust was in God. In God who created this universe out of nothing. Do you notice that? It says the universe, the worlds created by God, but prepared by God through his word, and yet called out of nothing into being. And he puts his faith in the word that God spoke to him. It is that which makes him so special, and it is that which is our inspiration. Because of faith, Abraham obeys. He obeys God. He leaves the old place where he lived to set out to go to a new place. Verse 8, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to set out for a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he set out not knowing where he was going. You can read about it in Genesis 12. And we had something about Abraham from Genesis 15. God tells Abraham to leave the country he has settled in, to leave his people and his father's house, and to go to a land he will show him. And God tells him that he will bless him, and that through him all people will be blessed. And Abraham trusts God and obeys, even though he doesn't know where he has to go to. I don't know how Abraham knew that it was God speaking to him, and not his own desires or fear or anger. There have been many times when people have told me that they think that God is telling them to do something, and I've had serious reservations. There was, this, is a, this didn't happen to me, this is an apocryphal story, but there was the person who believed that God was telling them to go to Brazil because they'd gone into the local shop and they'd seen a sweet that was called a Brazil nut. Someone said, what if they had seen a Mars bar? <laughs> but sometimes God does simply tell a person to get up and go. Jackie Pullinger was a music student who believed that God was calling her to go to the Far East as a missionary, but she didn't know how to get there or where to go specifically. She approached a number of mission agencies, but none wanted her. Uh, they didn't have much use for a music student. So she went to talk with her minister, and he suggested something. And he said afterwards he has no idea why he suggested it, but it seemed right at the time. But it was totally crazy. He told her that she should get on a slow boat going to China and get off when God told her to do. And she did. And she got off in Hong Kong. 
and God has used her in astonishing ways. You can read about it in a book called Chasing the Dragon, which I highly recommend. And she is still working in Hong Kong, 40 years or so later. And I suspect there are several people here because they have heard the call of God to come here and they have obeyed. You have trusted God and you are here. But even if we are not called to go and live and work overseas or in another place, and most of us will not be, the journey of faith for all of us begins with the call to leave to leave our old way of life with its goals and ambitions and habits. We're called to stop relying on the people or the things who we have always relied on for our identity and purpose, often our family or our local community. That is not saying that we should abandon them, far from it. We continue to have a responsibility for them, even more so as believers. But we are called to put our hope and our identity and our sense of purpose in something else. And we're called to never get too comfortable where we are. Never to mistake where we are living with our ultimate home. We are called to become part of something new. We're called to obey, to leave and to become Interestingly, that's what happens in marriage. In Genesis 2, we're told the man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. He ceases to be part of them to become part of her. And that happens to the people of Israel when they were slaves in Egypt and exiles in Babylon. The call from God was a call for them, in their case, to leave Egypt, the place of slavery, or to leave Babylon, the place of captivity, and they were called to make the journey to the promised land. And if you think about your baptism, that's about a leaving. We symbolically die to ourselves, to our old nature, and we come alive to Jesus. And Paul writes elsewhere, beloved, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. But I also notice that because of Abraham's faith, because of his trust in God and in the promise of God, he stays By faith, verse 9, he stayed for a time in the land he had been promised. Sometimes, especially when we have begun to move around, it's easy to get into the habit of moving from one place to the next. I remember an amazing member of our congregation uh, when Alison and myself lived in London. She was quite remarkable. She had a heart of gold, she was so generous, and she had a deep faith in God. But whenever things got difficult for her, or things got difficult for her daughter, she would simply up sticks and move on. Abraham, and you could read this in Genesis 
didn't have an easy life where he was. I guess as he sat in his tent in a strange land, surrounded by people who treated him as a foreigner, as an alien, he might have been tempted to move on. But he knew that God had said that this was the land which one day his descendants, the people who came to be known as the people of Israel, would live in. This would become their home. And so he stayed. It can be easy to move on when things get difficult or inconvenient or boring, to move to another church, town or another country. It can be easy just to move on without waiting to hear what God is saying. But it is also easy to move on in our faith, to give up when it becomes difficult or uncomfortable. There's the story told of the man who visited a convent. He joined the sisters at their prayers and noticed that they constantly read the Psalms. Five in the morning, five midday, five in the evening. So he said to them, why do you do that? Isn't it boring? And she said, of course it's boring. But why stop doing something that is right just because it is boring? Jesus tells of a widow who keeps pestering a judge for justice. She won't give up even though he won't see her. In the end, he gives her justice because she keeps on going at him. And he says, I'm not going to get a moment of rest until I've dealt with her. Jesus tells the story, not because God is like that judge, but to encourage us to continue to ask and not to give up. And after he's told the story, he asks a question. At the end, will there be any faith on earth? Will there be people who are keeping on, keeping on? Will you, will me, will I be keeping on, persevering? Think of our gospel reading. The servants waiting for the master to return. Oh, it was taking so long. Maybe he wasn't really ever going to come back. Maybe they should just sort of start to enjoy themselves, you know, and do what they wanted. But no, he says, when the master returns and finds them waiting. Do you notice this story? This is quite amazing. It doesn't say in this particular story of Jesus, that they come in and the master comes in and finds them waiting and they serve him, it says something quite remarkable. The master finds them waiting. And so the master himself, in his delight in them, strips off his clothes, puts on his towel, and serves the servants. Abraham persevered because by faith he was looking forward. He believed the promise of God that this land will one day belong to his descendants. He never saw any solid evidence of the fact that it was going to happen. But he was, we're told, looking for a city that has foundations whose architect and builder is God. And we can keep carrying on, even in the times when God seems absent because we look forward by faith. We have the promise of God, he is with us. We have the Holy Spirit, that all things work for good for those who love him. That it is worth it, that we have a true home, which is not here, but there. 
And like Abraham, we are looking forward to that heavenly city. And then we're told that Abraham, because of faith, became a father when he was 90 uh, and Sarah was uh, not a year or two much younger. By faith he received power of procreation, even though he was too old because he considered him faithful who had promised. God promised, we heard about it in, in Genesis 15, that Abraham and Sarah would have a son. But as the years go by and nothing happens, as it becomes biologically impossible, he must have been tempted to think it would never happen. But he goes on believing. And I don't know whether you noticed those lovely words in verse 12. The writer says, when he was as good as dead, <laughs> it finally happens. Please do not take this as a promise that you will have children. It's not a specific promise. It is a specific promise to a specific couple at a specific time. But what the Word of God does promise is that if we remain in him, if we are faithful and persevere despite the difficulties, opposition and discouragements, then we, even though we are spiritually dead, I think that's why the writer puts in that line about him being as good as dead, we will bear fruit. We will bear fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of love, joy, peace. We'll bear the fruit of lips that praise his name. We'll bear the fruit of a legacy that will last. That may be something material, but I think it's really speaking. Not of physical children, but spiritual children. Of children, people who God has given us the privilege of loving and bringing to and nurturing and growing in the faith. Children who also happen to be our brothers and sisters. That's why Jesus can say, and I'm quoting from uh, Hebrews chapter 2 earlier in this book, Jesus says, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, here am I and the children who God has given me. Jesus had no physical children, whatever Dan Brown may say. But because of his faith in God, we who put our trust and our faith in God are his children. And we're his brothers and sisters. Faith, spelt F-A-I-T-H, for all I trust him. Faith. And Abraham is held up as an example in the New Testament, not because he was the physical father of the people of Israel, but because he was a man who put his faith in God and in the promise of God. Because of his faith, he was prepared to obey God and go. Because of his faith, he was prepared to trust the promises of God and to stay. Because of his faith, he was prepared to look forward and trust, even though he saw no evidence of it if you like, on the ground. Because of his faith, even though he was as good as dead, he received the promise, the blessing of God. He was able to bear fruit. And so he becomes the father of all who have faith in God and his word. Some of you may know the song, 
Father Abraham has many sons, and I am one of them, and so are you. But don't worry, Nicolette, I'm not going to ask you to sing it. <laughs> Father Abraham has many sons. Abraham does become the father of all who have faith in Jesus. Of all who have faith in God and the word of God. And Abraham becomes the inspiration for all who have faith in God. Father, thank you for the example of the women and men of faith in the Old Testament. And thank you for the example of Abraham. Help us to follow their example and to put our trust in you. Amen.